Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. And uh, I'm not going to take but just a few moments this morning, but I, I do want to share something um, from my heart about Father's Day. It's a significant it's a, a significant day, and it is quite an honor to be father. It is quite an honor to be able to um, to have that title. I want to turn your attention. You can remain seated, but I want to re- turn your attention to the book of First Kings, chapter two, and we're going to read just a few verses here. And the Bible says in First Kings, chapter two, and verse number one: Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And so I I understand that many times, and I I suppose it perhaps happens almost every time we have church, that whoever is speaking reads a text and just takes off. And uh, we are completely aware of the context of of the setting of wherever we're teaching or preaching from. But if I could just take just one moment and set the context for you. In this particular moment, David is the king of Israel. And at that time, Israel was the greatest nation in the world. Israel was in a position here and now that few other countries have ever enjoyed in history. Their enemies had, by and large, been defeated. And they were in a season of enjoying prosperity. And it was in this setting that David as the king sat recognized as the most powerful man on the earth. However, even the most powerful individuals in life reach the end of their journey because the Bible said it is appointed unto man once to die. And so in our text, David is at that point. He's about to die, most likely You want to listen always to the voice of your elders, but certainly whenever someone is at the end of their road, you want to lean in and listen to what they have to say. Catch every one of those parting words. I had the privilege for the last two years or so of my father's life that he lived with us and my father actually passed away in our home, in our guest bedroom, and... um, So we had the opportunity to sit at his bedside, and I'm not trying to sound off color or morbid here today, but it was very obvious that death was imminent. And in those closing days, I wanted to sit as often as I could at his bedside, share as many things as we could. It was important to me to hear those words because I never knew if what he just said was gonna be the last thing that I would ever hear. And so here we see that David is at that point. Solomon is obviously somewhat positioned in a similar fashion. I believe he's leaning in. 
I believe he is tuned in to the parting words of his father. His dad said this. He said, I go the way of the earth. And that was the King James version of saying, I'm about to die. And now Solomon, who is his successor on the throne, amen, and, and so he's, he's sitting here, if I could get that setting in your mind. And so what do you think that the leader of the greatest nation on earth what do you think the most powerful man on the earth is going to say to his son? What are these parting words going to be? Maybe understanding that he is his successor to the throne, perhaps Solomon is thinking that he's going to point out a certain band of people and he's going to tell them, you really better keep your eye on them because I had to fight them and I had to fight them long and hard to have the freedom that we have. Or maybe he should say, you know, I left a little unfinished business with another camp and maybe you need to go there and, and take care of all of that. Maybe he felt like that he was gonna tell him, I want you to settle the score between me and this person or Israel and someone else. What would you expect a dying man to say to his son? And what would we think that we would say today to the generation that's following us? Whatever your thoughts may be, I'm gonna ask you to pause them and let's consider the actual words that David did indeed share. As Solomon leaned in, this is what David said, perhaps in a weakened state and maybe even with a weak voice, David said to Solomon, the next king, the next generation, be thou strong therefore and show thyself a man. And so for just a few moments this morning, I wanna talk about what it means to be a man. There are two commands that David gave him. He said, I want you to be strong. So what does that mean, to be strong? Does it mean literal strength? I know young men, and as a young man, I thought I knew what being strong was. That would mean how much weight you could lift or how much energy you could exert or whatever you may be able to, whatever, ever how you may be able to put that in your own context. Is strength going to be measured in absolute size, the size of your bicep? Does it mean that to be a strong person that you're going to be strong-willed and perhaps crass or rude or overpowering? What does it mean to be a strong man? What does it mean to be a strong man? And then he said, be thou strong and show thyself a man. And so what does it mean to be strong? And then furthermore, what does it mean to be a man? Does that mean as a man you're not allowed to cry? Does it mean that you can't show any sign of weakness? You can't blink no matter what's going on in your life? To be a man, does that mean that you can't be in touch with the softer side to show some affection toward your companion or your children? To be a man, does that mean that you don't ever say I love you? When somebody says I love you to you, you just say me too. Does it mean to be a man that you can't force yourself to form those three words and frame them back to those who are giving you that as a gift? To be a man, does that mean that you always have the right answer? You always know the solution to every problem? You never panic in any crisis? What does David mean when he says to Solomon, be strong and be a man? I think if we keep reading, we can see none of the above. It has nothing to do with tears, has nothing to do with signs of weakness, has nothing to do with signs of affection, 
But listen carefully to the next verses. In verse number three, he said, be strong and show thyself a man. And here's how you do it. You keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written with the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. And so here's a loving father's parting words. This is how you will succeed in life, not only as a father, a husband, as the king of Israel, but he said you need to do what the Lord tells you to do and you need to walk in the ways of the Lord. You need to keep the statutes or the decrees of God. You need to follow his command and always obey his law. You need to keep his testimonies or his requirements. He said that thou, if you do these things, that thou mayest prosper in everything that you do according to that is written in the law of Moses. And so here's the bottom line. What does it take to be a man? Being a real man requires being a Christian man. A real man is a man who knows how to love God. I can't call the Lord my God unless I have a relationship with him. I don't want just a Sunday and a Wednesday or an Easter or a Mother's Day relationship with the Lord. I wanna call him my God because I'm in relationship with him every day. Being a real man requires following God. David said to Solomon, walk in his ways. That's a daily thing. Not just every now and then, but I wanna walk in his ways. Being a real man, I believe, means being a godly man. It means being a godly example to your wife and to your children and to others that you have influence over. I don't believe that we should be men. I don't believe that we should be one way at church and then another way when we get home. I don't, think that I, I don't think that our families and our children, I believe our families and our children deserve much better than that. If we're gonna be kind and friendly and generous and hospitable to others that we are in the house of worship with and then tyrannical when we're home, you're gonna give birth to a tornado that's gonna destroy more things than you could ever put back together. Amen. I wanna be a real man and I wanna walk with him daily and I wanna be a godly man to be an example, not just an example to those that we can impress in the store or those that we can impress that don't know us, but those who know us best can understand there is a heart that is tender and beating in the chest of my father. Following God means to emulate the attributes of God in your life. I believe that being a real man requires being a man of our word. For example, I believe that we need to be students of the word of God and we need to be examples of the word of God. We need to be in the house of God and not just send our wives and children to the house of God. We need to be worshipers and not sit back and depend on our wives and our children to be worshipers. We need to be participators Amen, frontline participators. I'm thankful for men that are not ashamed to lift their hands. They're not ashamed to let tears flow out of their eyes. They're not ashamed to say hallelujah, amen. They're not even ashamed to say oh me if the word of God starts cutting a little bit close to their lives. They don't pick up their Bibles and go home and pout until they get it all out of their spirit and come back. No, amen, real men, real men understand the value of being front and center in the house of God. We need to be here, men. We need to be here. Hebrews 10 and 24 said, let us not forsake 
the assembling of ourselves together. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. And so what it means to be a real man is to be a worshiping man. Amen. A man that shows up. A man that can be counted. The word forsake. That's a military term. It means abandon, to leave behind without care or to cease to care or apathy or ignore. And so when the Bible talks about that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves, we shouldn't abandon that principle or we shouldn't let that be something that we handle carelessly or with a spirit or an attitude of apathy. Some say that the churches are full of hypocrites. You know, they, I've heard that many times, believe it or not, through the years. Well, I would go to church, preacher, but the church is full of hypocrites. And to them, I say, well, so is your job, but you didn't quit your job. Amen. Well, I got to work for a living. Well, I'm going to tell you something that's more important than a living, and that's heaven and hell. It's eternity. Amen. I, I, just like I need a paycheck and food on the table, I need to be right in my soul. Amen. I need to be right. There's hypocrites everywhere. I said to one man, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites than to go to hell with all of them. Amen. So I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let them keep me away. They're hypocrites everywhere you go. Amen. You work. You work with people that are hypocritical. You, where uh, you, you may go to to uh, do business with people that are hypocritical. I don't want those things to determine my spiritual life. Just as important as being in church. Amen. It grow. It helps us to grow in our relationship with God. We don't need to just come in and be statues. We don't need to just be come in, come in just to be counted. But I want to be felt. I want to be part of the one that's helping to pray down the power of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be so determined to get away from the house of God that you miss what God can do at the end of a service. Amen. I grew up here in all my life. The most important part of a service is the end of a service. Amen. That's when the Spirit of God, we've been singing about the power of God. We've been singing about the presence of God. Somebody's been teaching or preaching about the ability of God. Amen. You know what the end of a service is for? That's not gathering up the children and shooting out of here like a cannon. The end of a service is for demonstration. Amen. Now let's let the Spirit of God move. I want to be present if somebody needs the Holy Ghost. I want to be present if somebody needs prayer. I want to be present if somebody needs the anointing of the Lord to flow in their lives. I'm talking about what it takes to be a man. It's not about it's not about if you can grow a beard or not. Not about how much hair you may or may not have on your chest. Amen. It's can you get a prayer through? Can you be an intercessor? Hallelujah. What it takes to be a man. What it takes to be a man is when somebody is in need. I'm not just talking about sinners. I've been here, amen, in the house of God, I needed somebody to pray for me. I needed somebody to intercede for me and you can't intercede if you're already on your way home. I wanna stay and hang around. I wanna say, Lord, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost now be made demonstration in our presence. We've been singing about deliverance. We've been teaching and preaching about deliverance. Now let's see a little bit of deliverance. We've been talking about direction. We've been talking about healing. Now let's see it. Amen. Amen. Men and fathers, we need to lead the way and teach our families. What kind of man? You wouldn't have a lot of confidence in a man if in the middle of the night, I know we joke about things like this, but we wouldn't have a lot of confidence in a man if in the middle of the night you heard something, some kind of calamity going on in your house and you woke up your children. I said, Johnny, go out there and see what's going on. <laughs> 
We didn't have a lot of confidence in a man. Here's somebody break in their house and wake his wife up and say, baby, you need to go check that out. Amen. Here, take this gun. Take this knife. Take, take something with you. Instead of brass knuckles, whatever does your, whatever suits your fancy there. We wouldn't have a lot of confidence in a man that would do something like that. Amen, so can I turn this around now? How much confidence should we have in men that says, come on, children, you do the worshiping. Come on now, wives, you do the worshiping. I believe it ought to be men and fathers that are leading the way in prayer. Men and fathers that are leading the way in worship. Come on, men. This is not just about cutting the board straight, getting the paint lines right. This is not about just mowing the grass. This is not just about weed eating. There's a spiritual side of this. I'm talking about what it takes to be a man, a man that'll stand and say, Lord, amen. You know what the Bible says in one place that he sought for somebody to make up a hedge. He sought for somebody to build a bridge. He sought for somebody to be a connect point. And he said, but I found none. Oh, let that never be said of the men of Hatchman Apostolic Church. I was looking for an intercessor, but I found none. I was looking for a worshiper, but I found none. I was looking for somebody that would praise me, but I found none. Amen. Let the line start with the men and say, if you need an intercessor, this is what it takes to be a man. Hallelujah. Bring your sons to the altar with you. That's all right. Amen. Bring your sons down to the front. Let them get out of the aisle with you. They need to watch you clap your hands. They need to watch you wipe tears out of your eyes. Why? Because this is what it takes to be a man. Amen. We have a lot of different weird, we have a lot of different strange ways that we prove manhood sometimes. It used to be a big deal arm wrestling. I guess it's still been a while since I arm wrestled. I know you can't tell that. But I saw something recently on YouTube. I'm not sure if this could be going on for decades now. I could be the late comer here, but Two men stand across the table from one another and each one slaps one. Now, I don't mean like, I mean, I mean you're talking about just getting one of these things going, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you haven't proven a whole lot there. Amen. Your wife and your children should never have to wonder at church time what we're going to do because a real man we don't have to talk about it. We have to debate it. We're going to the house of God. This is where we're going. And when we get there, we're going to worship. Amen. We need to be a man and dare to show them where to go and what to do when you get there. Being a real man requires being strong in godliness. You see, the absence of power in many men's life is a reality. And I know that I've touched on this many times through the years, but it's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. In our society today, and I, I know that this could sound a little bit chauvinistic, and if you know me, you know that I'm not chauvinistic, and I can prove that I'm not chauvinistic because I'm standing here still alive and well. <laughs> but our society today is very intentional and not all that subtle with its message against men. You watch almost any popular TV show and you're going to see husbands and fathers depicted as selfish, lazy, irresponsible, and overall inept. Many 
millions of people laughed along with Tim, the two man Taylor. Oh, I got up in your grill. Bumbling and fumbling his way through and his wife coming along and fixing everything. And he looked like a fool in front of his wife and his children. There's a message. So stop laughing long enough to hear the message. Amen. That doesn't mean that men are to be tyrants. Not at all. But we're called to be the priest of our house. And that's certainly not to say that there's not some men that are not mechanically inclined and ladies that are. And I'm not suggesting that you ought to get electrocuted just over your ego. But I think you get the message. You'll see wives that are one, the ones that are making things right. You even see that in commercials. Am I, you're so quiet, I'm thinking I'm, I'm alone here. But it's the truth. We'll take care of this. You sit down before you hurt yourself. We'll take care of this. And it's the undermining of the priest of our home. It's the undermining of a very spiritual and godly position that God placed man in. God didn't put a, God didn't put a tea glass in a man's hand for him to shake the ice when it's empty. That's not being a man. That could get you hurt. <laughs> That gets you hurt bad. And you could die of thirst. <laughs> That's not being a man. That's not being a man. Real men will weed eat while their wives ride a zero turn. That's what a real man will do. I was listening this morning, Brother Williams. I was listening this morning because I've done both and you had the worst end of the deal, I promise you. Amen. I'm gonna tell you that the things I'm talking about are not so in the economy of God. As husbands and fathers, we hold the hearts of our children and our wives. They're in the palm of your hand every day, whether we realize it or not. And I want to tell every father in this room that your family cares what you think. Your opinion matters. You hold their hearts and you can do with their hearts whatever you want. You can reach into the heart of your companion or your children and you can tenderly hold it. You can gently hold the heart of your children or you can rip it from their chest and stomp it. The choice is yours. But I want to admonish you to nourish it and help them grow. You have an opportunity to be an instrument of God's choosing, to be a powerful influence in the lives of your family. And now, to me, that, my friend, is real power. That's real power. You may not be able to bench press what the guy down the road can do. You may not be able to hit the ball out of the park. And you may not be able to throw that spiraling football all the way down the field. But if you can influence their heart and you can nurture them and love them, that is real power. Amen. If you're the spiritual head of your home and your children or your wife comes to you and says, I need prayer. 
I need you to lay hands on me and pray for me. I need you to kneel down with me. Amen. Our son, our daughter, they have a fever. Let's go pray. I need you to pray. That, that is real power. It's godly power. It's biblical power. And so I will say this in closing. 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 4, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, he said, a man on this throne, on the throne of Israel. Did you hear that? He said, if you'll just do this, if thy children can take heed to their way and walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. If you'll walk straight, Israel will never, ever wonder where their next leader's coming from because you're going to raise up another leader. When that leader dies, there'll be another leader that's raised because they're watching you walk. Amen. That you may succeed in all you do and wherever you go. And the benefit doesn't end there. And I'll ask you to stand with me. He said that the Lord will carry out his promise which he spoke. Now that's a very important promise. And that promise is this. That as long as David's descendants followed God, there would always be power on the throne. I'm talking about what it takes to be a man. What it takes to be a man. You know that after David passed, There was more than just a headstone in his honor. But after generations came along and then another and then another and then another, almost every king that sat on the throne of Israel was compared to David. Amen. Amid all of his mistakes, Brother Allen, he had his heart right with God. And almost everybody was compared to David. He became the benchmark. He became the benchmark. And so the point is this, that the direction the children went was in most instances determined by the direction that their fathers pointed them. And I understand this is a principle and not a promise, but nevertheless, David pointed them toward God. They didn't all walk toward God, but... David could rest easy knowing that I pointed them in the right way. Also, the godly kings that followed David all pointed back to David as their source of godliness. How did you learn how to lead like this? Oh, I watched David. I watched David. This is how you do it. Psalms 127, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that had this quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And so I will say this to every father in this building, to every influencer in this building, like an arrow, our children can go places that we have never been but they'll be more likely to get there if we point them in the right direction. Many years ago, and I say this humbly, and I just share this because it's in the context of my thoughts, but many years ago, my pastor, Brother Tumman,
quite up in years now, has said, you've been able to do things in your life and ministry that I was never able to do, never able to experience. He said, I thank God for what the Lord has been able to do. And I looked at him and I said, but the only reason I could do that is because you set the trajectory in my heart. And so I would say today that our children can go further than we ever dreamed, do things that was only just a thought in our heart and mind if we can just send them and set the trajectory and then just let them go and let them do something amazing. I'm going to tell you something that the greatest leaders that this church has ever had potentially are sitting in this building today. Amen. So may we just set the trajectory and may we pull the bowstring back as hard as we can and let them go knowing that we've already got the baseline set. Amen. This is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a man. Would you join me across this building and let's just ask God to help us be manly men, godly men, righteous men. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you today and I thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.